Hello, this is Mel, welcoming you to the 2365th edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper. Dateline, Thursday 9th of November 2023. The readers this week are myself, Mel, Alison, Jean and John, with Bill on the controls. Editing, production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Poker, composed by Pat Prilly. Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perret and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent and the Enfield Dispatch and are their copyright. For the week beginning the 6th of November 2023, the sunrise time is 07.02 and the sunset time is 16.25. We also have some special notices from Enfield Vision and Enfield Home Library Service. Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a dropping morning on the third Thursday in each month from 10am to 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushhill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are now running again and the last date will be on Thursday the 16th of November. For further information, please contact us on 0208-373-6260 or email information at enfieldvision.org.uk. Now, the Enfield Home Library Service. Did you know that Enfield has a home library service? This means that if mobility, disability or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library, then we can bring the library to you and there is no charge. The home library is run in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sort of thing you like to read and we will select the books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we have audiobooks on CDs and large print titles. There are also a limited number available in different languages. Separately, the Enfield Home Library Service offers assistance with digital library content, so we can help you get to grips with borrowing e-books or audiobooks from the library to read or listen to on a phone or tablet. For more information or to see if you can sign up for this service, email enfield.hls at royalvoluntaryservice.org.uk or call Shauna Tevan on 07826511094. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane De Jersey on 07899854582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Alison will read the lead story. Our lead story is taken from the Enfield Dispatch online, dated on the 6th of November. Council decision to lease white webs to Spurs set for judicial review. A judge has agreed 
that arguments made against Enfield Council's lease of the park to Tottenham Hotspur merit consideration at a full hearing, reports Simon Allen, local democracy reporter. Enfield Council's decision to lease part of Whitewebb's Park to Tottenham Hotspur is set to be challenged in the High Court. A judge has granted permission for a judicial review of the authority's decision to award the 25-year lease to the Premier League Football Club, which wants to set up a new women's football academy on the site of the park's former golf course in northern Enfield. A hearing is expected to take place early next year, where parties will present evidence before a judge who will then rule on whether or not the council acted lawfully. Friends of Whitewebb's Park Chair, Sean Wilkinson, who is mounting the legal challenge as a local resident, said getting the green light for the judicial review represented a major advance for the campaign against the council's decision. He added, I am delighted and the supporters of the campaign are absolutely delighted. The council agreed in October 2021 to hand a 25-year lease to Spurs if its proposals for the parkland win planning permission. It sparked a backlash from local residents, with multiple protests being staged. The football club wants to create new training pitches in the northeastern corner of the site, close to its existing training complex in Whitewebs Lane. The lease also includes land to the south of this, where Tottenham Hotspur plans to restore areas of historic parkland. Earlier this year, campaigners from Enfield Roadwatch and the Friends of Whitewebs, together with the London branch of the Campaign to Protect Rural England, revealed plans to take the council to, the, to court over its decision. In a letter to the council, They claimed proposed restrictions on public use and access inherent in Spurs training academy plans would go against legislation under which the land is held in trust for the public's use. They also stated that plans to use rental income from the site to invest an extra £100,000 a year in grassroots sports would be an unlawful use of profits from public trust land, as the money would be spent outside the park. Granting permission for the judicial review request brought by Sean Wilkinson, a judge said the claimant had raised arguable grounds which merit consideration at a full hearing. Sean said that once a date for the judicial review hearing had been set, campaigners would start fundraising to cover the costs. Last week, Spurs revealed the first details of its plans for Whitewebs Park, including proposals to erect a fence nearly two metres tall surrounding the proposed football academy, which will occupy 18% of the overall park. There are also plans to remove 102 trees and plant 3,000 new ones, create a biodiversity corridor, upgrade footpaths and bridleways, and transform run-down Conduit House into a bird-watching platform. The club is now holding a series of consultation events to allow people to view and discuss the plans, 
although this has been branded as no more than a PR exercise by the Friends of Whitewebs. An Enfield Council spokesperson said, the lease of part of Whitewebs Park is set to bring significant benefits to the local community, including the protection and enhancement of the park and woods. Further investment in a new on-site cafe, toilets and other facility, as well as preserving open public access to over 80% of the park for all residents. A claim for judicial review has been submitted and the court has granted permission for the claim to be heard in due course. Enfield Council is confident that proper legal processes and procedures have been followed at all times leading up to the award of this lease and will defend the judicial review robustly. Tottenham Hotspur FC declined to comment. Green mayoral candidate vows to still run for City Hall even if she wins Hackney race. Zoe Garbett is standing for mayor of Hackney this month, while also still campaigning for the top job at City Hall, reports Noah Vickers, local democracy reporter. The Green Party's London mayoral candidate has said she is still completely committed to her campaign for City Hall, despite also running next week to become mayor of Hackney. Zoe Garbett The Greens candidate in both elections admitted she could not effectively perform the roles of Hackney Mayor and London Mayor at the same time, but she said she could still be a candidate in both races. Asked whether she would remain as her party's London candidate if she is elected as Mayor of Hackney, she said the question was hypothetical and that she will see what happens. She said, I don't think you could do both jobs, but I think you could run in both elections. Well, you could be the mayor of Hackney while running to be the mayor of London. The by-election for the Hackney mayoralty is being held on Thursday, the 9th of November, while the London mayoral election is taking place on the 2nd of May next year. Garbett previously ran as Green candidate for Hackney in 2022, coming second with 17% of first preference votes. Philip's Labour, Labour's Philip Glanville won re-election with 59.1% of the vote. Glanville, though, was forced to step down in September this year, however, after it emerged that he had mislaid the council about when he had stopped socializing with former Labour councillor Tom Dewey, who had been arrested for possessing possessing indecent images of children. Garbett, who is currently a councillor in Dalston, said of her Hackney campaign, there's a really strong feeling that people want to vote green this time. They've seen the work that I've done on the council. They hear the policies that we're putting out. They're really keen for more engagement and local scrutiny of the council. That has really resonated with people on the doorstep. People are feeling that they're not included in decisions about their lives. 
She added, I think Hackney is a microcosm of London. The issues that we've been talking about, the cost of living crisis, the housing crisis, the local economy, it's all relevant for what we're thinking about at the London level, too. Asked about her chance of winning the Hackney mayoral Garbett said, the areas we're talking to residents in, the strong desire to vote green. We think there will be an increase in our vote share. But it comes at a really difficult time in terms of being in a by-election. We think that turnout will probably be quite low, so we just need to see what happens next week. Pressed on whether she may stand down as Labour candidate if elected as Hackney's mayor, she said, I'm currently completely committed to my responsibilities as the Green candidate for London. We'll see what happens. Previous London mayors have held both political jobs while serving in City Hall. Ken Livingston remained as MP for Brent East for a full year after being elected as mayor in 2000. Boris Johnson was MP for Uxbridge and South Ryslip during his last year as mayor, and Sadiq Khan stood down as MP for Tooting on the same day that he was elected in 2016. And this next article is entitled Architect Defends Provocative Housing Plans for Enfield Golf Club. The founding director of RCKA tells Simon Allen local democracy reporter, that building homes on golf courses could be a way to ease Enfield's housing crisis. An architectural firm has revealed plans to build hundreds of affordable homes on an Enfield golf course which can tackle the borough's housing crisis. Not sure how popular that would be with the golfers. Shortage-based RCKA's proposals would see around 650 homes built in low- to mid-rise villa blocks at Enfield Golf Club, which leases its 18-hole golf course in Old Park Road South from Enfield Enfield Council, I beg your pardon. Under the speculative plans, part of the project dubbed Holes to Homes, the 39-hectare course would be reduced to nine holes to make way for the new housing development. Plus walking and cycle routes, wetlands and facilities such as a health centre, gym and a mobility hub. However, RCKA has not submitted planning application for the site. The current version of the Council's draft local plan, published in 2021, sets an overall target of of 25,000 homes and does not include any allocation at Enfield Golf Club, as reported by the dispatch yesterday, which is actually the second. A revised version of the council's draft local plan is now set to increase the borough's wide target to 35,000 new homes to be built by 2041, and it will be published next month. The course at Enfield Golf Club is classed as Metropolitan Open Land, effectively giving it the same level of protection form 
inappropriate development as the green belt under London-wide policies. That effectively means it's not considered to be green belt. The council has indicated it will allocate 9,000 homes on the green belt and revise the local plan by de-designating several large sites, including land at Cruise Hill Golf Club, one of the six borough of Enfield golf courses. Russell Curtis, a founding director of RCKA, told the local democracy reporting service that the firm's indicative scheme to provide 100% affordable houses in blocks, no taller than maybe six or eight storeys, could help tackle the borough's acute housing circus. Khan powerless to prevent pro-Palestine protest on Armistice Day. Protesters calling for a ceasefire between Israel and Palestine are set to march past the Cenotaph on 11th of November, reports Noah Vickers, local democracy reporter. Sadiq Khan has hit back at suggestions from a government minister that he has the power to prevent a pro-Palestinian protest from taking place in central London on Armistice Day. Security Minister and former soldier Tom Tugendat said such a march would not be appropriate, saying he had written to the Mayor of London, Westminster City Council and Met Police Commissioner Sir Mark Rowley about it. But Khan accused the Minister of playing politics as the Mayor, he stressed, did not have the power to stop the protest. Tens of thousands of demonstrators called for an immediate ceasefire between Israel and Hamas are planning to take to the streets of London on Armistice Day on Saturday the 11th of November. There are fears the march could disrupt the two-minute silence commemorating the war dead and the daytime and evening festival of remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall with the latter performance usually attended by members of the royal family. For me and fellow veterans, 11th of November is not just another day. It's not just even a day of remembrance. It's a day of grief, Tug and Dat told Times Radio this morning, Friday the 3rd of November. For many of us, it's a day when we remember friends who are not standing with us anymore. Some who fell at the time and some who sadly have taken their own life since. It can be a very painful moment and I think that is why this is not an appropriate time. This is not an appropriate venue for protest. It's a time for us to come together and to remember all those who served our country with courage and distinction in many conflicts around the world and gave us the freedoms and liberties that we are lucky enough to enjoy today. Tugendhat later told BBC Breakfast... I do not think that a protest on Remembrance Weekend next to the Cenotaph is appropriate. The minister is understood not to be opposed to a march in another part of the capital on 11th of November, but does not believe it should be near the Cenotaph and that those who wish to pay their respects should be able to do so unhindered. Responding, Calm told the local democracy reporting service... This is a textbook example of a senior politician playing party politics and posturing with a serious issue. He must know the mayor cannot prevent the protest. If he does know, it shows he's playing party politics. If he doesn't know, it brings into question his competence. 
asked for his own view on whether it would be appropriate for the protest to go ahead on Armistice Day, regardless of his lack of power to prevent it. The mayor called on people thinking of protesting to understand the importance of that weekend to our entire country. He said, those protesting were in danger of driving people away from the very cause they are championing by choosing to protest on Armistice Day. The law is understood to say that the Met Police Commissioner, with the consent of the Home Secretary, can ban a march if he reasonably believes that restrictions on it would not be sufficient to prevent serious public disorder. The Met Police has said officers will be deployed across the capital that weekend as part of a significant policing and security operation. It said protest groups have not indicated plans to march on Remembrance Sunday on 12th of November, but a significant demonstration is expected on the Saturday. Organisations of the demo have pledged to avoid the Whitehall area where the Cenotaph War Memorial, the focus of the National Remembrance events, is located. A Met spokesperson said, This is a weekend with huge national significance. We will use all the powers available to us to ensure anyone intent on disrupting it will not succeed. It added... We're absolutely committed to ensuring the safety and security of anyone attending commemorative events. In a statement later on Friday, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak said that to plan this day is provocative and disrespectful. He added, I have asked the Home Secretary to support the Met Police in doing everything necessary to protect the sanctity of Armistice Day and Remembrance Sunday. Our next story brings us back to the Enfield community and is taken from the Enfield Dispatch Online. Enfield Community Centre sold to Romanian church group. Remaining users of St Paul's Centre in Enfield Town given until the 10th of December to find alternative premises, reports James Cracknell. An Enfield community centre has been sold to a Romanian church group and its users given just over one month to find alternative premises. St Paul's Centre in Church Street, Enfield Town, was first put up for sale last year with a guide price of £2.2 million after the United Reformed Church admitted it was no longer able to run and maintain the building. Community groups using the centre were originally given until the end of October 2022 to vacate the building, but St Paul's Centre has since continued to be used as an event space for hire while the sale of the building was negotiated throughout this year. Now, notice has been given that it will no longer be available for use by community groups from the middle of December. In a statement... The Enfield Thames North Synod of the United Reformed Church, URC, said, Following the decision to sell the St Paul's Centre building, URC can now confirm that contracts for sale have been exchanged and should complete on the 15th of December 2023. The property has been purchased by the Romanian Orthodox Church and Centre. All current users will be given notice to vacate the premises by Sunday the 10th of December 2023 and the Synod hopes they are able to find other suitable premises for use. 
While most of the previous long-term users of St Paul's Centre, such as Age UK Enfield and U3A, have already moved to other venues around the borough, the building has continued to be used for dance and fitness classes, as well as for one-off events. The dispatch has been unable to contact the Romanian Orthodox Church to find out how the building will be used from mid-December onwards. And then Enfield School submits plans to replace inefficient buildings. This is Chase Community School says it wants to better accommodate students and staff, reports Simon Allen, local democracy reporter. Residents are being invited to have their say on proposals to redevelop a secondary school in Enfield Town. The plans would see the current inefficient inefficient and energy-intensive buildings at Chase Community School in Churchbury Lane replaced with modern facilities. Designed to ensure the school can better accommodate students and staff, reduce costs, increase usable external space, and provide improved facilities for the local community to share. The proposals would see the number of buildings on the site reduced. A new sports block would be built next to playing fields and a multi-use games area, while an existing art, drama, dining, and sixth-floor block would be retained. There will also be a new L-shaped teaching block and a converted covered outdoor space for activities such as dining, training, and science lessons. According to the project website, trees on the perimeter of the site would be protected and the community would be able to use the facilities outside of school hours. The proposals have been designed to achieve a net zero carbon operation and ensure the school can continue to operate throughout construction. Baumer and Kirkland, which had been selected by the Department for Education to be the development's main contractor, has pledged to use off-site methods of construction to help deliver the scheme. Measures, Measures such as noise mitigation and air quality plans would be put in place during the on-site construction period to minimize disruption to neighbors. Head teacher Tanya Douglas said, quote, The regeneration of Chase community is a transformational opportunity for our school and the brilliant community we are privileged to serve. Our determination to provide an ambitious education was recognized by Ofsted last year and their creation of these fantastic new facilities mean we, mean we will have a wonderful setting in which to deliver that education to children and young people in the area. Local residents are being invited to, to an exhibition at the school where they can view plans from, in more detail on Thursday the 16th of November from 5 p.m. until 8.30 p.m. And the next item is uh, entitled Enfield Ignatius, Developing Rugby at All Levels. Enfield Ignatians continue to fly the flag for the community rugby. And in addition to fielding two senior teams and also being a home to the burgeoning youth and girls rugby section, they also provide themselves on being a source of talent 
for the future of the game. Mark Donaldson, who played for the club in the 70s, went on to be capped for the All Blacks, while the Sanders brothers, Phil and Dennis, both had respective spells at Wasps and Saracens. Ben Mills, the former Ignatians first-team hooker, also successfully represented Cambridge University in their 15-10 win over deadly rivals Oxford University in the varsity match at Twickenham this March. Enfield is a home to large Cypriot community and Ignatians provides players for the Ireland's rugby team, which ply their trade in European Conference 1 South. Indeed, the Fires brothers, Hady and Fady, were ever present in the squad when it won two of its four games, with highlights being wins against Slovenia, 56-7, and previously unbeaten Hungary, 35-17. The four Ignatius players also trained with the Cypriot Barbarians squad at Altrincham in Cheshire in the summer, and they are mixed and there are mixed places on the way for the clash against Malta in the, in November. A youth section at the club is in rude health, and in addition to minis rugby, the club also caters for the under-13s, 14s, 15s and 16s age ranges. The under-15s were in fine fettle recently, scoring 40-36 win over Twickenham, in their opening league game. Just as pleasing is the fact that girls' rugby has gained in popularity. A total of four players currently registered with the club in all of the age bands split over two years ranged from under-12s up to the under-18s, with players mainly recruited from the local schools. Explaining the club's commitment to girls' rugby, head coach Tom Mann said, We advertise in secondary schools, support a primary tag tournament every year, hold girls' recruitment sessions at the rugby club and run sessions at St Anne's. Elaborating on many positives, he he added, it's great the way that girls go about playing, playing and training. They are a tight bunch who look after each other, get on really well and are respectable, hardworking and good fun. And our next article is titled All About Town. In our latest councillor's column, Conservative Emma Supple explains how the community in Enfield Town is pulling together to tackle anti-social behaviour. For me as a Conservative, I believe in free choice and using the money in your pocket to support local businesses. As an Enfield resident of many years now, I have always tried to buy local. I shop in SJ Smith, the organic butchers, and try as much as possible to buy my fruit and veg from Paul and Audrey in Enfield Town Market. Holt White's Bakery is a treasure in Enfield and now has a second shop in Palmer's Green. I beg your pardon. I make sure to shop in Pearson's as much as I can as well, especially now as it celebrates 120 years in Enfield Town. However, there is a more challenging side to Enfield Town and we all need to pull together to tackle it. The issue is crime and antisocial behaviour. 
We have several schools in the area whose pupils congregate in the town centre at the end of the school day and I am very pleased to be taking part in a community patrol set up by Emma Rigby from Love Your Doorstep. Recently, patrol volunteers like myself were welcomed at New Scotland Yard and given police community awards to recognise our service to Enfield, contributing to a reduction in crime levels, making our high street safer. This was a real accolade to those people who saw that there was an issue and stepped in. The patrol is always in need of volunteers and it is a pleasant and positive way to spend an hour or so. I have made Enfield my home and have raised my three children here. I also run my business here. We recently moved to new premises in London Road, which has been fantastic for visibility. I have a great team of podiatrists and assistants who help me run supple feet. I have also been brown owl of the second Enfield Brownies group for over 25 years. And in doing so, I have had the privilege of watching young women grow and flourish and become owls themselves. We were the first pack to go on holiday after the end of the COVID-19 restrictions and we never gave up on the girls all the way through lockdown. Many packs had to close, but ours has thrived. Everywhere I go, I see some of my old brownies and that gives me great joy. My work as a local councillor has focused on health scrutiny and this has been a fascinating insight into areas other than foot care. I have been appointed as a trustee for the Belling Education Foundation, supporting the advancement of education, in particular electrical engineering and electronics. The charity provides grants to enable persons to take advantage of such educational facilities. Do not do apply via the website link at Enfield Council for 2024 funding. And most recently, Enfield Mayor Sunna Herman and I were invited to our twins town, Gladbeck, in Germany. It was great to join their Apple Festival and work is underway to welcome them back to Enfield in 2024. Emma Supple is one of three councillors representing Town Ward alongside Michael Rye and Jim Stephen, all Conservative, to get in touch, email councillor.emma.supp.enfield.gov.uk. Our next story is again taken from the Enfield Dispatch online. Enfield Cancer Charity launches new health programme with help from Spurs. Tottenham Hotspur Foundation is supporting the new health and wellbeing sessions at Nightingale Cancer Support Centre in Enfield Town. Spurs defender Ben Davis showed his support for a new Tottenham Hotspur Foundation programme delivering health and wellbeing sessions to Enfield residents living with cancer. The sessions, which are an extension of the Foundation's existing Shape Up with Spurs scheme, are delivered in partnership with the Nightingale Cancer Support Centre in Baker Street. They consist of chair-based, low-impact physical activity under the guidance of health instructors for people at various stages of their cancer journey. The sessions also enable participants to engage in conversation and enhance their social well-being as well as improve physical outcomes with friends and family members also invited to take part. Wales International Davies dropped into a session held at the Nightingale last week, meeting participants and staff, taking part in the chair-based exercise 
and answering questions around health and nutrition as a professional athlete. The Spurs defender said, The session was challenging and fun. It was great to be involved with the group. As players, it's great to come out to the local community and see the work that the club is doing. Something as simple as an exercise class can make so much difference to people. It brings you into the present and provides a boost, even for a short period of time. One of the main reasons team sport is great is that you enjoy the highs together and in the tough times, the team have your back. Everyone here is in high spirits and you wouldn't know this was a cancer support centre. Lucy McGinn from the Nightingale Cancer Support Centre said, It's not just people who are diagnosed with cancer that are affected, it's the family, friends and colleagues as well. We provide physical and practical support free of charge, from fitness classes to massage, as well as emotional and peer-to-peer support. People can come here and essentially get a break from cancer. Adam Miller Program coordinator at Tottenham Hotspur Foundation added, We're looking to reduce health inequalities across North London by providing free health activity sessions for different groups in different communities. We aim to make sessions inclusive and fun so that people keep coming back. Long term change is what we're looking for. We have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So, from the team of Mel, Alison, Jean and John and Bill on the controls, it's goodbye. Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying play podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget, you can call Diane De Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper on 07899 The Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.